The following podcast is brought to you by the Bridge Bible Church in Somerset, Wisconsin. For more information, please visit our website at thebridgewire.com. Some Christmases full of joy, family, traditions, gatherings. For others, as Matt just prayed, it's a hard season where there's loneliness and there's grief and there's hardships. But if we let the world and the culture dictate what Christmas is supposed to be, we miss Jesus. And it doesn't matter where we are. Christmas is a time of hope, true hope and true joy. We can be in the lowest of valleys or on the highest of mountains. Christ meets us there. And the promise for us at Christmas is that God is with us, that God draws near. He bids us to come near. And we typically hear uh, as we go through um, the, this time of year, passages out of the Gospels, and, and we're going to do that next week. Next week, on the 18th, our kids are going to come up and we'll have a children's play in first and second service. So come, be a part of that. Enjoy that. That's always fun to watch the kids come and sing and, and celebrate. Uh, and El Camino, the church uh, plant that is in the other room uh, right now, meeting and gathering at 5 p.m. They invite all of us to come and worship with them that evening on the 18th and, and celebrate Christmas. And there's going to be a, a time where we're just spending in the traditional passages of the gospel. But today, I want us to take a look at 1 John and see the manifestation of love, because that's really what we're talking about, that God has come. He has manifested himself. He has made himself known. We have seen him, as the passage says in, uh, this morning, that we have beheld love. And because of what love is and who love is, our lives are changed. That's, that's where joy and hope comes in at Christmas. Because it's not about the family and the gifts and the, and the being together. All of that's wonderful. It's about being reconciled to God. It's about having hope that's eternal and secure. It's about having the joy that there is something better for us. And God calls us to it and calls us to himself. So if you have your Bibles, turn to 1 John. It will also be on the screen, but you can use the Bible in front of you if you don't have a Bible. Uh, 1 John's all the way near the back. It's, if you go from Revelation, you go from the back and go to the left, you'll hit 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John um, quickly. So if you're looking for it in the Bible, that's 1st uh, John. We'll be in uh, chapter 4. I'm going to read verses 7 through 16. And that'll be our passage for today. And at the end of the passage, I'm just going to prepare you. We're going to have a time of reflective, of, of reflecting and prayer. Um, and so Jim and Jenny, who's on our prayer team today, you're sitting up front. I'm going to ask you guys and myself, we're going to go to the back. During that, there's going to be a time of singing and reflecting and, and response and, and a time that you can receive prayer. We'll be in the back. We'll sing together, and then the worship team will end that time for us. Um, so 
as we're going through this, I'm just kind of preparing you for how the end of the, the message will, will look. First John chapter 4, starting in verse 7, this is the Apostle John writing, and this is what he writes in the Spirit to us. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only Son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love is perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us, because he's given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him, and he in God. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. Pray with me, if you will. Father, as we go through this passage this morning, help us to see the hope that is in Christ the fulfillment of promises, the the joy that we can have in the midst of hardship and trials, that this world is not our home. There's a home waiting for us, and you dwell there. Father, we pray that you would just encourage us and help us to really understand love, your love, for us, and as we see it, may we just be in awe. May we just be in awe of you, God, and would it transform us. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. So we see John writing here to the church, and he says, Beloved, verse 7, let us love one another. For love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. So he says, love one another. So he's saying true love, that is, that which comes from God, is born out of God, is what God calls us to. He says, let us love one another, and how do we do that? It's by being in relationship with him. Now, we're, we're all created in the image of God. And man has all kinds of ways that he loves in this world. Some of them are a glimmer of God's love. Some of them are twisted and perverted and have nothing to do with God's love, but the world calls it love. That, that topic of love seems so broad at times. And we get, we get this question, what is love? And we have all kinds of slogans that are thrown at us about what love is or what it should be. But John wants us to know 
what love really is. And he says, beloved, let us love one another and let us love one another with the love that comes from God, that's born out of God. And so verse 7, he's saying, love one another for love is from God. He's talking about that outward action that comes from being in a relationship with God. And so as we look at this passage a little bit more, verse 8 goes on to say this. He says, anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. So he says, anyone who does not love does not know God. Now that word there for know is gnosko. It's knowledge by experience. Now, he's not saying that you can't love if you don't know God. We see that. Again, we're created in the image of God, and we reflect God to the world. And God has put that in all human beings. And so at times, there's glimmers of the Almighty Creator in the way we act towards one another. Even if we know Him or don't know Him, there's times where love is kind of seen. There's that that faint uh, flicker of a flame, so to speak. It's reflective out of how he created us. But he says, to love the way God wants us to love, we have to know him. We have to experience him. And the more we experience him, the more we can love like him. The more we understand love, the more we are able to to serve and, and, and have all types of, of, of proper love for one another and for those around us in this world. He says it's a, it comes from knowing God, experiencing God. Sometimes that can seem like it's uh, not a popular thing. When someone says, I just really want to know, I want to experience more, I want to experience more, I want to experience more, that's not a bad thing. Because that's exactly what John's telling us to do. He says, you need to experience him more. You need more of him in your life. You need more. You think you have a good relationship now? You need it to be deeper so you can love like God loves. You want to love more like Jesus? Then you need more Jesus. And you need to keep getting more Jesus in your life so you can love like Jesus loves. So we need to experience God. Why? Because he himself is love. Now, He's not only love. Some would boil God's attributes down to say God is only love, and then they distort how Jesus is. They distort what love looks like, and they say, well, you know, we pass over all of these offenses and these things and these sins because God is love, and he's caring, and it's okay, and that's how he made you, and so on and so forth. No, no, he is love, but he's not only love. He's righteous and holy and just. He's, he's all-powerful, omniscient, all-knowing. He is light. He is spirit. There's so many things that the scriptures say about God. And in all of those descriptions, he is love. So his justice is loving. His righteousness is loving. His holiness is loving. Like, take an attribute of God and just put love with it because that's who he is. So we can't just boil it down and say, well, God is love and everything's love. No, he is love, but he's not just love. But John wants us to see that the love of God manifests in Christ, the love that we are to have. Oh, that's who he is. We have to experience him. We have to know him. So if you've experienced God, then he transforms your life. He changes you. 
you, you can't be um, in a situation that's not changed if you experience God. I'm, I'm tripping over my words. I was about to say it opposite and get it wrong. Here's the illustration. I'm stealing it from, well, I heard it from David Platt years ago, but I'm sure he stole it from somebody, and he stole it from somebody, and he stole it from somebody. So here's the illustration. You know, if someone says uh, they're coming into church today, and, and uh, they were late because they were in a bad accident, and you're like, well, really, what happened? And they're like, well, I got hit by a semi-truck. But they don't look any, like, there's no scratch on them, there's nothing, or they're just fine. Well, yeah, I got, got hit by a semi on the way here today, but you know, that's why I'm late. But, I, you know, I'm fine. Really? Like, if you get hit by a semi-truck, like, you're going to be changed. There's going to be an effect. There's going to be a, a, a serious change in your life. And some people talk about God that way. They're like, yeah, I know God. I've, been, I've experienced God. Really? Like, I can't tell because there's no change in your life. If we experience the love of God, it's like the, a semi-truck of love hits you and it changes you. You don't get run over by a semi and walk away okay. You don't get run over by the God of love and not get changed. That's a positive thing. He changes us for the good. And John's saying, as you experience him, you're changed. The way you think changes. The way you talk changes. The way you act changes. Your relationships change. The way you work changes. It all looks different. It has to, because Christ has come in to every area of your life and changed it. I love the way C.S. Lewis puts it. He says, you thought that you're going to invite Jesus into your life, and you're just going to have this nice little cottage, and you're going to just clean it up, and you're going to let Jesus come and stay with you, and you're going to have the nice guest room for Jesus. And then he comes in and starts knocking down walls and, and throwing up a wing here, and he wants to do something over here, and he starts tearing up the yard and making a big garden, and you're just like, what's going on? He said, well, I intend to dwell here. This is my dwelling. You wanted a little safe cottage, but this is my home. So he changes it. That's the transformation of God in our lives. That's what love does. Changes us. It transforms us. We're not left the same. Verse 9, John goes on and says this, in this is love. In this is love. This is what love is. God was made manifest among us. That means we saw him. He, he, he came and revealed himself to us. He was made manifest among us that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. Now, there's all kinds of thoughts and concepts, again, around love. So if God is loved, then seeing God clearly means, means seeing love clearly. Man, at times, will try to figure out what this looks like in his own strength, but we can't. We, we only understand what true love is when we really see Christ. So here's couple of things that John wants us to look at. Verse 9, he says, God became like us, made manifest. Made manifest. John chapter 1, verses 1 through 4, and then 9 through 14. This is what it says. 1 through 4, it says, in the beginning was the Word, 
and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. This is talking about Christ, the living Word. Here He is, eternal, coexistent, with the Father, with the Holy Spirit, the triune Godhead. We see Him here in the beginning, creating all things, it says, were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. So here he is coming into the world, being made manifest. The one who created all things, spoke it into existence, and it was, and it was good, comes into the world, comes into the world like his creation, takes on flesh, becomes like us, and yet sinless, fully God, fully man, comes into the world, and though he had made the world, the world does not know him, he came to his own. And his own people did not receive him. The promises given from God in the beginning to Abraham and to Israel that one would come from them, that salvation comes from the Jews, that Messiah would come through this small nation, this smallest of people, the Hebrews. One would come, and here he is, coming, and they don't even recognize him. They don't see him. They, they didn't take the promises and prepare and when he came, they weren't ready. So he came to his own people. They did not receive him. But to all who did receive Christ, who believed in his name, to all, Jew and Gentile, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And look what John says. And we have seen his glory. Glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. He says, and we saw him. We saw him. John got to touch him, hug him, probably wrestle with him since they were so close. I mean, he saw the Messiah, the fulfillment of these things. Watched him minister and work. Watched him go to the cross and die and watched him rise again on the third day. We saw him full of grace, full of truth. So here he is, the one made flesh. So what does John say in our passage in 1 John? He says, he was made manifest. Here is love. Here is love. It has come. It's put on flesh. It's dwelling with us. He has come. And he says he works on man's behalf. In verse 19, it says that he is that propitiation. He helps us. He reconciles us. We cannot do it ourselves. It's not of our own will. It's not of the flesh. It's born of God. Your salvation is born out of the heart of God. Because he loves humanity. Because he loves you and he loves me. He sends his son to take our sins upon himself. And for all who would receive him can become sons and daughters of God. That's love. Verse 10, he says this. 
He wants us to see Jesus, so he says this to us as well. Verse 10, in this is love not that we have loved God, but that he has loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. So God loves us first. First John chapter 4, 19, if you just scroll down, if you have your Bible open or right here, you can read it with me. We love because he loved because he first loved us. Why do I display the love of God? Because he loved me first. If man is to reflect God, then it's when God shines his marvelous light onto us that the love of God can be seen by others. So he loves us first. He is the acting agent. He is the one who has come. He is the one who is shining his marvelous light into the corners of your soul to rid of all darkness so that you would see and, and understand and be loved the way he loves and that you could love others the way he's loving you. We love because he loved us first. And he says Christ came to pay for our sins. That propitiation, this means the payment. It's a big Big theological word, and you only hear it here in the Bible usually, but there it is. Propitiation of sin is payment for your sin. There was a cost that needed to be paid for sin, and he pays it. Colossians chapter 2, verses 13 and 14. And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses. How many? All. Once for all, Christ comes, takes on flesh, and brings forgiveness for all your trespasses. Not just the ones up to today, but the ones that are yet still to come. When you've trusted in him, he took all of that. Almighty God, saw your life, past, present, and he sees what's yet to come, goes to the cross and pays all of your sin by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. The legal demand of sin is that there must be a blood sacrifice. You must pay for sin. There is, there is a debt owed to God. We have transgressed. We have sinned against him. We have rebelled against the holy, holy, holy God of the universe who created all things and gives life to all things, holds all things together. In a moment, he could just go, and your particles would just fly apart if he wanted. And you transgressed against holy, holy, holy God. And in his patience, he's given you his son. And in his love, he's given you his son to reconcile you, to bring forgiveness. And on the day of judgment, all the sins are laid open in the books of heaven. And someone will pay for those sins. All who have believed, Christ says, paid in full. I took it. I paid for it. I came. I was the propitiation my blood was spilt. My body was broken. They are set free. Therefore, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You've been set free from some of your sins? No, from all. From all. 
he has set us free. He has made a way. He has paid for our sins. And that debt, that certificate that is owed, if we think of it in the legal sense, it's you go into the courtroom and they say, here is the debt, here's the, here's the summons, here's what you're guilty of, the books are open, let us read the offenses out loud to the judge, here is what Rob has done. And then he says, Rob, how do you plead? And I say, well, I can plead not guilty because Jesus has already taken the punishment. I'm set free. And then he opened the other books of heaven, and we see paid in full. The question is, has he paid for your sin? That's what Christmas is about. We're thinking about why do we have joy? Because our sins are paid for at the cross. Jesus has done all of this for us. We can celebrate Christmas any time of the year then, can't we? <laughs> we can celebrate that the promises are amen and yes, and he has done it all. He has paid for our sins. Verse 11, John says this. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. All right. If God loved me like that, I need to love you. Like that. Okay. Confession. I don't want to. In my flesh, I don't love like this. In my flesh, I'm selfish. I want you to love me like this, but I want to choose how I love you. I don't want to love in the fullness like this. But this is how he transforms us. He changes us so that as he interacts with us and changes us, we can love like that. Not in our own strength, not in our own flesh, but by him who is indwelling us and changing us. So if God loves us so selflessly, should we not reflect that love? The answer is yes. Should we not, with humility and grace, serve one another, knowing that Christ died for our brother or sister in the Lord? The next time you're in the fellowship and you're having a hard time loving that person, Remind yourself, Jesus died for them too, and he loves them the same way he loves me, and I need to love them the way he loves them. Should we not love one another? Yes. Should we not work to be at peace with each other because Christ made peace with us? Yes. So verse 12, he says, no one has ever seen God if we love one another. And that word if could also be since, the word meaning since. No one has ever seen God. But since we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. Since he abides in us, if he's in us, since he's in us, we love one another and love is being perfected in us. Our salvation is secure. It is amen and yes in Jesus. We have it. And our sanctification is happening right now. Our transformation is happening right now. Love is being perfected in you and in me. 
And the amount that it's perfected depends on how much you walk with Christ and walk with the Holy Spirit. You can grieve the Spirit and you can grieve Christ. You can say, I'm happy the way I am right now. And I like my Midwestern passive-aggressive attitude. (laughs) Or you can say, I need to be changed. And when God shows those areas of change, we submit to it and we walk in it and we're refined and we love like Jesus. Galatians 5, 22 through 24 say this. But the fruit of the Spirit is love. Now, I'm going to break this down. This is the way I interpret it. Not everybody interprets it this way. I think that what is Paul is saying here, he says, the fruit of the Spirit is love. I would put a period there. And then the rest of this is what love is. This is how it's manifested. So this is the way I'm, I'm telling you, I'm looking at this passage right now. Others just look at this as a list and say it's all of these things. I think the fruit of the Spirit is love. Here's the fruit. It's one fruit. It's love. And it has all these components. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Now, if the fruit has all those components, what this makes me do is say, Rob, are you loving today? And I can say, well, no, (laughs) because I don't have the fullness of each component of love. I have some of those, but I'm lacking in some of those, so I am loving, but I'm not loving to the fullness of love. If I look at it the other way, I can say, I'm doing pretty darn good. But I don't want to do pretty darn good. I want what Christ wants. I want the fullness of love in my life. I want the fullness of Jesus in me. So I want to look at love and say, yeah, I need more transformation. I need more Jesus. I need more of him coming into my life where I don't have joy, where I don't have peace, where I'm not patient, where I'm not kind, where there's not goodness coming out or I am faithless, where I'm not gentle, my self-control is waning. I need him to come and change me in those areas so I can love because he first loved me. So Galatians 5 tells us of the fruit of the spirit of love. It comes with walking with Jesus. 1 Corinthians 13, we have another list of love here. Verses 4 through 8, love is patient and kind. We see, again, this is how they kind of look the same. But we have more here. It's not, it does not envy uh, or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. So, patient, kind, not envious or boastful, not arrogant or proud, not rude, not demanding, not irritable or resentful. That one always gets me because my nickname at home is Grouchy Bear. Yeah, dad's irritable. Is is saddened by sin. Is your heart saddened by sin? Is it glad and rejoice in the truth? And that word rejoice, think about it in the Psalms. Come and let us rejoice. What is the psalmist saying? Let us worship. 
Are you worshiping in love? Are you rejoicing in truth? Bears with the fellowship, bears all things, bearing with one another, believing the truth of God, even when it's not easy, even when it's not easily seen or even understood. Hopes in the promises of God to be fulfilled perfectly in Christ. Walks with Christ all of its days and for all eternity. Love never ends. Here's the thing, brothers and sisters. We receive the love of God poured out into our hearts through Christ Jesus, and that never ends. And for all eternity, we will know love more and more and more because we will dwell with the God who is love. And it says that he will bring out of his storehouses to us in Ephesians. It says, for all the ages to come, he continues to reveal to us the depths of who he is, which means we are going to understand the love of God for all eternity in greater measure And we're going to be in awe of it for all eternity. So it never ends. John 15, 5 says this. I am the vine and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, it is he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Bear much fruit. The fruit of the Spirit is love. Apart from Christ, we cannot bear that fruit. We can't love one another the way he calls us to. Verse 13 in our passage. By this we know that we abide in him. Okay, abide in him. How do we know? How do I know that I'm abiding? How do I know By this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. How do we know we are abiding? Because he's placed the Holy Spirit in you. So he will work on your behalf. Philippians 1, 6. I don't know, Rob, if I can do all this stuff. This seems like a heavy load. I'm not putting a weight on you. Christ is going to do this in you. As, as we think about loving and you start putting like, okay, I guess I have to do this and I have to do this and I have to, if you've started doing that checklist, that mental checklist of what you have to do, let me point you to this scripture and I am sure of this, that he who began the good work, that's Christ Jesus who begins this good work in you, will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Who is going to bring it to completion? God will. He's working in you. He's transforming you. He's the great renovator of your heart. He's the one shining his marvelous light. This doesn't really have anything to do with you other than your allegiance to him, your obedience to him, your walking with him, your relationship with him. We just come along with Jesus. We experience him. We just love him. We're with him, and he does this work in us. He refines us. He changes us. I don't know if I can do it. Well, he has given you his spirit. The spirit that created the universe with the son and with the father dwells in you. I think he can change you to make you love. 2 Corinthians 1, 19 to 22. For the son of God, Jesus Christ, whom we proclaimed among you, Silvanus and Timothy and I, was not yes and no, but in him it is always Yes, 
for all the promises of God find their yes in him. That is why it is through him that we utter our amen, which means let it be so. That word amen means let it be so. We utter our amen to God for his glory. And it is God who establishes us with you in Christ. Look at this. So Paul says, and we have been established just like you have been established with Christ together. He's established us and has anointed us. Now, he's not just talking about him and Timothy and Sylvanus being anointed. He's talking about you sitting out there today in the, in the seat. You are anointed with the Holy Spirit. He has anointed you. He has established you. And you who has put his seal on us and given us his spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. He has sealed you and he has given you a guarantee. The salvation, the promise of salvation, the promise to transform you, the promise to bring love out of your life is yes. So when we pray, when we pray prayers of promise, I hope you're ready for it. <laughs> Sometimes we pray prayers, I think, because we know they sound good and we should say them, Right? But that means when that promise is manifested, when it's seen in your life, that means your life is going to change. And when you say, Holy Spirit, would you please bring more peace in my life? Would you bring more patience in my life? Would you bring more fill in the promise of God? The answer is yes. And then he goes to work. And sometimes we're like, whoa, 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 I didn't really mean that. I just thought like I would say it and it would look like this. He says, well, it has to look like this. It's yes in Christ. Will I do all of this? Yes, because he is the one working. He is the one establishing. He is the one empowering. He is the one who sealed you. He is the one who has anointed you with his spirit. Abide in him and you will bear much fruit. Verses 14 through 16. And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. So whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. So we have come to know, we have come to experience, we know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. That's a great Christmas present, isn't it? God says, I got a gift for you, me, and I'll abide in you, and you abide with me, and I'm going to transform your life. John and the others, they had seen Christ, the risen Christ. They proclaim him. They say, we have seen him, we know love, and we believe. Love has come, and our soul's firm foundation is on him. And he doesn't let us down. It's always yes and amen in him. He doesn't let us down. What we want to do, what I would like for us to do right now, is to take a moment and reflect on the love of God. Have you received it? 
Have you received God's love? Is he your savior? Has he paid for your sins? Or maybe that's not the question for you today. Maybe the question for you today is, are you being transformed by love? Is God transforming? Are there areas in your life, and I'm reading those lists, you know, uh, out of Corinthians or out of Galatians, I'm reading those lists, and you're like, yeah, there's some areas in my life that really could use some refining. In just a moment, we're going to sing a song, uh, Firm Foundation, He Won't. Maybe you've heard it. It's been on the radio. As you're singing that song, there's also an opportunity to pray. I'm going to have Jim and Jenny in the back. I'm going to be in the back. And if you would like to pray to receive Christ with someone, we would love to pray with you. If you would like to come and ask just that we would pray over you, that God would manifest love in your life, we'll pray that way for you. If you would like to come and say, hey, can you pray specifically for this area of my life? We'll pray for that. If you come to us and say, I just need prayer, and here's what's going on, and I see that God loves me, and he's going to work in my life, and this is the area that I need him to work right now and be manifest. I need the God of love right now in this area of my life. We'll pray for that too. If you just want to quietly reflect and pray and sing in your seat, you can do that as well. But I want to give you an opportunity to respond. How is the Spirit speaking to you today? What would he have you do? How will love manifest in your life? This is love. That he came for us while we were still sinners. He loved us first. Gave himself to be our propitiation and to give us new life. Will you stand with me? Father, we thank you. We ask that as we sing, you would show us how you would have us to be changed. Holy Spirit, speak to our hearts. And if that means a time of prayer with brothers and sisters, then may we have just the, the boldness to go and get that. May we just pray, God, knowing that the answer is yes in Jesus and not be afraid of the yes, but submit to it with joy. So we sing now. And we ask that you move among us and work among us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. The Bridge Bible Church stands to exalt the name of Jesus. We seek to be a community that gives glory to Christ above all things and welcomes all people to join us in worshiping him. If you don't have a church home, consider visiting ours. We are ordinary people who want to live life with authentic faith. For more information on how to get connected, deepen your faith, and experience what God has for you, please visit our website at thebridgewire.com.